Well, good morning. So what does it mean to live by faith? You think about that. What does it mean to live by faith? I wonder if we went around the room and gave everybody a chance to answer. I wonder how many different answers we would have, how many different ways we could phrase that or express that. Uh, Certainly there is an element we would probably hear about faith. To live by faith is to live obedient to God. But what does that look like? What does that even mean? If faith occurs 24 times in Hebrews chapter 11, and the expression by faith is found some 19 times within that same section there. And so the emphasis is not on the source of faith here, but on the practice of faith in life, real faith in practice. And so faith here is not just a matter of belief, but it's a matter of behavior. It's based on belief, of course. And so here we're not urged to conjure up faith somehow, but rather to live by the faith that God has given us. Because faith is not faith until it becomes the evidence of things unseen, until it responds to what God has asked us to do. And so we saw last week that faith moves us forward. To live by faith is moving forward. And although faith comes by hearing God's promises, its inception is based on the Word of God. Faith as substance must be seen. It must be heard. It's got to be tangible, which is why James could write in James chapter 2 and verse 18, someone will say, you have faith and I have works. You show me your faith without works and I will show you my faith by my works. You can say you have faith all day long, but until it's seen, how do we know? I got a Maserati parked in my driveway. How do you know? You don't. Based on what I said, until you, well, some of you know, you've seen my checkbook. But I can say anything, but show me. I've got to see, feel what is real. And so the author of Hebrews is not writing to people who have no faith in God. He's writing, he's preaching to the choir, as we would say. And so hoping to encourage, he's not hoping to encourage them to muster some up. They've got it. And so he's calling on them to, to use it, to live by it, because they, like us, are people who are of faith. And people who, through the burdens of life, are are living by God's standards and they're faced with ever-increasing opportunities to do the exact opposite. The struggle is to live by faith in a faithless world. Live by faith in God or live by faith in anything else. That's our choices. And so do what God has directed us to do or don't do it. But you cannot live by faith as the Bible presents and live in disobedience. They They don't go together. And so Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 12 would say, There is a way that seems right to a person, but its end is the way that leads to death. It looks good to me, but the end of it is destruction. And so those words apply to this matter of spiritual life and death. And and since the earliest of times, there's been a way that has seemed spiritually right. You can go to the first chapter of the Bible and you can find that there. First section, I guess. First couple of chapters. But in various forms... It's, it's this way of, of all the world's major religions. It's the struggle of, of everyone. The, the way of self-righteousness. The way of good works. And in some form or another, it believes that if a person is sincere, if I'm just sincere enough, if I do my best, then God's going to overlook my faults and accept my good works and let me into heaven. And so you know what the Bible calls this. Jude 11 calls it the way of Cain. Thinking like that is the way of Cain. In contrast to the way of Cain is the way of his brother, Cain and Abel. So Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 4 says, By faith, Abel, 
offered God a greater sacrifice than Cain, and through his faith he was commended as righteous. Because God commended him for his offerings, and through his faith he still speaks, though he is dead. And so you've got this story of Cain and Abel recorded in, in Genesis chapter 4, and it's this tale that is so well known by so many people who never even read the Bible. They know about Cain and Abel. They know this story and what it represents. So it's entered our language even as a synonym for troublemaking. Oh, that boy's raising Cain. We've heard that before. We've probably said it before. So this phrase is appropriate because this is a dark and tragic story. It really is. We brush over it. We, I remember growing up, we had some pretty awesome, you know, flannel board lessons in Bible class. And, but we, we can run through this. But when you, when you sit on this for a little bit, it is dark. And it is tragic from beginning to end. It's the first murder in human history. And not only that, but you've got one brother who kills another brother in this outburst of rage and envy. Sibling rivalry, obviously present from the very beginning. And so Cain was a farmer of the soil, and Abel raised livestock. So they came before God, and, and Cain brought an offering from his crops, while Abel brought a sacrifice of the best of his herd. And we find that God accepted Abel's sacrifice, but He rejected Cain's. He accepted Abel because Scripture says it was brought in faith. It was brought by faith. And there's a lot we don't know that we wish we knew. What was the age difference between Cain and Abel? I'd like to know that. What was the age difference there? What were, they, what were their growing up years like? Why did one choose to be a farmer and one choose to raise livestock? And, and how did they even know to bring an offering to God? How did Cain know that Abel's sacrifice had been accepted and his had not? And what exactly had Adam taught his sons about the proper way to approach God? We don't know those details. But we do know that if faith is born out of hearing the Word of God, Romans chapter 10, then we must reason that Abel offered sacrifice based on God's requirements, God's instructions. But what was the method? Or what was the manner? Was it method? Or was it manner? What, was, what made the big difference here? What did God Himself say about this? Well, let's refresh a little bit. Genesis chapter 4 and verse 1. Now the man, Adam had marital relations with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. And then she said, I have created a man just as the Lord did. Well, there's a whole other lesson on that thing there. But anyway, well, perhaps some of that rubbed off on her son. Then she gave birth to his brother Abel. Abel took care of the flocks while Cain cultivated the ground. And at the designated time, Cain brought some of the fruit of the ground for an offering to the Lord. The designated time. See what I mean? Somehow he knew there was a designated time to do this. But Abel brought some of the firstborn of his flock, even the fattest of them. And the Lord was pleased with Abel and his offering. But with Cain and his offering, he was not pleased. So Cain became very angry and his expression was downcast. And then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why is your expression downcast? Is it not true that if you do what is right, you will be fine? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at the door. It desires to dominate you, but you must subdue it. So what was wrong with Cain's sacrifice? Not enough leafy vegetables? <laughs> you know, I mean, what was, what was the big deal here? Did God have some beef with vegetarians? Pun intended. Look at the word order, though. This is significant. Look at the word order. First, the man is lifted up, and then the offering. So first, let's look at the man, and then we look at the offering. And so, 
It says the Lord was pleased with Abel and with his offering, but with Cain and with his offering, God was not pleased. So I don't think it was about what they sacrificed, although it sort of was. The emphasis here is on the manner in which they sacrificed, the manner of their sacrifice. It was the heart. It's always been. The seed has always been in the heart. And so God regarded Abel, but disregarded Cain. And maybe we can get some further insight from John. John writes in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 10, By this the children of God and the children of the devil are revealed. Here's what makes it known. Everyone who does not practice righteousness, the one who does not love his fellow Christian, is not of God. For this is the gospel message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not like Cain, who was of the evil one and brutally murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his deeds were evil. Cain's deeds were evil. But his brothers were righteous. There's a lot of speculation about why the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but not Cain and his offering. And so the only hint comes in Genesis chapter 4 and verse 7. Is it not true, God says, if you do what is right, you'll be fine. Things will be just fine if you do what is right. But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at the door. It desires to dominate you, but you must subdue it. You must rule over it. So he says, if you do, if you do well, if you do what is right, but this is not God saying, why can't you be more like your brother? He's not doing that. Cain, if you just do like your brother does. That's not what God is saying here. God's not holding Cain to a human standard, which is what we tend to do, right? So how does God measure doing well? What does this mean? Well, God has been consistent in His expression of pleasure with humanity. What pleases God? You don't have to go far to find it. Well, is it vegetables? Does that please God? Is it cattle? Is that what pleases God? Cattle pleases me, but is that what pleases God? Is it the performance of some religious act? I sang. I bowed my head. I I pinched a cracker. I listened to a sermon. I walked through the doors three times a week. Or is it something more? The Israelites, they thought checking boxes was enough. We can check the boxes, then we'll go out and live the way we want to live. We'll do what we want to do as long as the sacrifice gets there on time and, and all we jump through all these other hoops. The rest of the time, they, they wanted to live the way they want to live and how they saw fit. And so the prophet reveals in Micah chapter 6 and verse 6, With what should I enter the Lord's presence? With what should I bow before the sovereign God? Should I enter His presence with burnt burnt Offerings with year old calves. Do I need to check, check this box and check that box? Is that how God's going to be pleased? Will the Lord accept a thousand rams or ten thousand streams of olive oil? Should I give him my firstborn child as a payment for my rebellion, my offspring, my own flesh and blood for my sin? He has told you. How do we know what we're supposed to do? He has told you, O oh man, what is good and what the Lord really wants from you. To promote justice, to be faithful, and to live obediently before your God. And when we have faith in God alone, what He has promised will come true. That an obedient life produces blessings. A disobedient life produces curses. He hasn't kept that a secret. And the belief moves us forward on this path that is consistent with the instructions that God has spoken to us through His Word. And so we're living by faith in that regard. And so 
Our changed life then becomes the substance. It becomes the, the tangible, the grab hold of, of the eternal things that we hope for. It's seen in our lives. The way we live our life then is the evidence of things not visible to our mortal state. And so Abel was righteous. Cain was unrighteous. How do we know? Well, in one regards, it was visible. One did, one showed what God had asked. The other did not. Was that all there was? No, that started in their hearts. It started in their hearts. Abel lived following God's direction. Cain lived, obviously, following his own direction. And Abel demonstrated his faith in God by doing and living the way that God had wanted him to and, and, and commanded him to. And Cain demonstrated his lack of faith by doing what Cain wanted to do in opposition to how God wanted him to live. Well, maybe Cain didn't know. Maybe Cain didn't know. Maybe Adam did a better job. Maybe Adam was more attentive with Abel than he was with Cain. Maybe he communicated better with Abel and was raising him to obey God. What we read in verse 7, Is it not true, God says, that if you do what is right, you will be fine? So, But God, He didn't know what is right. Oh, I didn't realize that. God knows He knows. He says, if you just do what you know... Things will be okay, but if not, if you do not do what is right, sin's ready. Cain knew better. And we may not know a lot of details around what was wrong with Cain and what was wrong with his offering, but Cain knew what he should have done, and he did not do it. So show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. And so God gave him a chance to do better. What did he say? Cain said to his brother Abel, hey, let's go out in the field. I want to show you something. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. And when we live by faith, we acknowledge that we're not living to please ourselves. We're not unaccountable to anyone else. When we live by faith, we are submitting our lives to God. And so when we live by faith, we acknowledge that we're not able to save ourselves from the destructive path of sin either, the path of disobedience. And so these boys are the first generation of this fall of humanity. They're the first generation. Do you think the garden incident ever came up at the dinner table? you think Adam and Eve ever discussed this as the boys got older? you think the topic ever came up? This is probably the only generation where kids talk about how good their parents had it and complain because they're the ones having to walk uphill barefoot in the snow both ways. This is the only generation that's ever had to do that. We usually talk about you know the, 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 the good old days. And people say, well, you've got it good now. You want to know how I used to live. Well, these boys were going, Mom and Dad, y'all had it good. Look at us. How does faith live from generation to generation? It's imparted. It's communicated. It's, it's made known from parent to child, grandparent to grandchild, friend to friend, neighbor to neighbor. But obviously, as we see here, it's not necessarily accepted. It may be communicated, but it's not accepted. And so sin's desire is for you, but you must rule over it. You have to decide. You've got to make a choice. And by faith, Abel offered... A greater sacrifice than Cain. And through his faith, he was commended as righteous. Because God commended him for his offerings. And through his faith, he still speaks, though he is dead. So our 
influence lives beyond the parenthesis of this brief jaunt on this earth. And so we're reminded of Adam's influence each time we deposit the body of a loved one into the ground. That's the influence of Adam that's still living on today. But it can be argued that the influence of good people survives much longer than those who are evil. And so the fact that Abel's obedience is applauded centuries after he was, his voice has been silenced, after the, the, the ground is, is soaked with his blood, the echo of his life cries out from the ground. This is subtle evidence that at death, he didn't fade into oblivion. He didn't fade into nothingness. If you were following Jesus for all the benefits that He will give you in your life, you're in for a rude awakening. <laughs> Abel isn't exactly an example of a long, happy life, is he? But through his faith, through his eyes set on something greater, something more, something yet to be seen, his example lives on. And what does he say? Well, Abel speaks through his faith, reminding us how God is very aware and very interested in the lives of his creation. And so you are not lost in the chaos of this world. God knows you and knows what's going on, even in the turmoil of population. And you can hear this truth expressed in a psalm, Psalm 139 and verse 1. He writes, O Lord, You examine me and know. You know when I sit down and when I get up, even from far away, You understand my motives. You carefully observe me when I travel or when I lie down to rest. You are aware of everything I do. And then Abel also speaks through his faith, of how God gives us the prerogative of choice, but He not, does not give us the privilege to determine a different outcome from the choice that we make. See, I get to pick the choice, but I don't get to change the outcome of that choice. Why did God put the tree of the, the knowledge of good and evil, why did He even put it in the garden if Adam and Eve were forbidden to eat from it? Why would He even put that in front of them? He told them, you know, here it is, but don't do it. Here it is, but stay away from it. And taking away that tree would have taken away their opportunity to have a choice. See, consequences are bound to a choice. And Cain and Abel both knew how to rightly offer their sacrifice, but Cain chose a different way. And so Cain said to his brother Abel, follow me. And while they were in the field, he killed him. He killed him at multiple points along the way. Cain could have made a different choice. But God was speaking truth into Cain when he said in verse 7, Is it not true that if you do what is right, things are going to be okay? But if you do not do what is right, sin is waiting and watching. It's crouching at the door. If you stayed in our house long enough, you know what this looks like. Somebody's always crouching ready to pounce out on somebody. It's just what we do. That's what sin does, always crouching, waiting for the right moment to pounce. It desires to dominate you, but you must subdue it. And obedience, when we are obedient, living in obedient faith, it can draw animosity from people who are not, from, from people even closest to us. Because when you are confronted with sin, the response ranges from apathy to animosity to even hardness of heart. And so Abel was not perfect. But Abel was faithful. And there's a difference. His faithfulness provoked the sinful desires of his brother. It didn't cause them. 
but stirred them. And Cain went with it. See, that's the epic battle. That's good versus evil. That's righteousness versus unrighteousness. That's God versus Satan. That's faith versus doubt. And that's where we live. And we shouldn't be surprised when our obedience provokes a hostile response from somebody who is living in disobedience. And then Abel speaks through his action of faith apart from any words. We have no recorded words that Abel spoke. And yet thousands of years after his death, he still speaks to us. He still has a voice. And this shows us the power of a godly life. Not only in this lifetime, but also in successive generations. It can follow, be imparted, be carried out. And while we should not discount the importance of godly speech, neither can we discount the power of a godly example, godly actions, a godly life. And living by faith is following the guidance of the Spirit of God. And even if the evidence of this, the, the fruits of the Spirit, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, the self-control, even if all that is evident in your life, then your words will connect with power. But if your life does not demonstrate these qualities, then no matter what you say, it means nothing. It means nothing. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for, being convinced of what we do not see. For by it, by faith, by not seeing, but yet seeing, the people of old receive God's commendation. So viewed from his lifetime, Abel's life was wasted. I mean, you, you, you talk about a, a present day story. You hear about this half. Oh, what a waste. That young man. It's tragic. But generations have looked at his faith and learned that even if, and even when we suffer and die for the cause of righteousness, it is not in vain. It is not for loss. Because Cain apparently lived a, you know, a pretty long and, and prosperous life on earth. He built cities. He fathered many children who were successful in worldly terms. But Cain's life was the wasted one. Abel's life was the true success. And so it's been said that Abel could not teach even his only brother by his faith and example. But now that he is dead, he teaches the whole world. He's more alive than ever. So great a thing is faith. It is life in God. And so through the sacrifice of his life, Abel teaches us about faith in God. But through the sacrifice of his son, God himself provides the substance of faith, the evidence of the things hoped for, that they will one day come to pass. And so living by faith is to set our heart on the promises of God so that our thoughts, our words, our actions are all guided by faith in these promises. Abel knew of his parents' sin. It's not in Scripture. Come on. He knew what had happened. He knew of the garden where they once walked with God. Certainly he knew of the revelation of God that because of that sin, death would come to humanity. But he certainly could not have imagined that he would be the first. And by the hand of his brother, nonetheless. And Abel could not have imagined what God meant when he said that the offspring of woman would one day crush the head of that deceitful, deceitful serpent. And later here in chapter 11, we're told towards the end in verse 39 that these all were commended for their faith, yet they did not receive 
what was promised. For God provided something better for us so that they would be made perfect together with us. And so for all that we can know, there's so much more that we cannot. And perhaps we will not. Which is where faith comes into play. That's where faith steps in. Because we, like Cain, have been overcome by sin to the point of rebellion. And when all the while, if we had just done what was right, we would have been righteous. And like Cain, we have caused the death of our brother, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And because of His faith, made evident in His obedience, Jesus has declared our righteousness so that through Him we have forgiveness of sins. And so the head of the deceitful serpent has been crushed. And through His faith, He was commended. And through His faith, He still speaks to us today. It is God who commends because it is God whom we please when we live by faith. Believing that God exists and He rewards those who diligently seek Him. And believing that He loves you so much that He gave His only Son as a sacrifice for your sins. And that He works daily through His Spirit in the circumstances of life to form us into the likeness of His Son. And believing that He has prepared a place for us in His glorious eternity to shower us forever with His love. Do you believe Him? Do you have faith? If so, will you live by it? Live by faith. And I have faith. I have faith in the words of Jesus Christ. It says that no one can come to the Father except through Me. I have faith in the Word of God that says, I love you so much that I give My Son so that if you have faith in Him, you will not perish because of your rebellion." Because of your ignorance to what truly awaits those who are disobedient. But yet you will have eternal life. I believe that. I have faith in that. But I struggle to live by it. Because that's what sin does. Sin's tough. Sin is a formidable opponent to this human flesh. But is not greater than God's Spirit. And God gives me His Spirit when I'm baptized into Jesus Christ. He gives me that for strength so that I can obey. And He gives me the promise through the blood of Jesus Christ that when I don't, that He still forgives me. The blood of Jesus Christ continually cleanses my sin. So this morning, I ask you, what are you living by? What standard? What rule? What assurance? Because there's only one blessed assurance. And that's if Jesus is mine. And this morning He can be yours. We're going to stand and sing a song of encouragement. If we can pray for you and encourage you and strengthen you and your battle between the flesh and the Spirit, or if we can celebrate with the angels in heaven as you make Christ your Savior and are baptized into Him this morning, will you come as we stand and sing this good song? Bre-